0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The story you're about to hear is a true birth story. It's the real deal, and it may not be appropriate for sensitive ears. On today's episode,
1: Going into it, everything with COVID, I tried to have a positive outlook, whether it be going to the hospital or how the birthing process was going to go or what kind of restrictions at the hospital was putting into place that would change my mentality. So postpartum, the mindset, cause listen, postpartum depression is a real thing, whether it's your first kid or your fourth. The first time around, I probably just had the typical baby blues, we'll call it. And I knew that this time around, considering the state of the world, it would be a lot easier to fall into that little black hole. So I have made it my personal mission and it requires a lot of focus on being super duper positive and just grateful and happy. I can't fall into the little black hole. There's a lot of people that are doing that and they can't help themselves. So if I can try to help myself in trying to be as positive as possible, that's something that I know will be good for me and good for my family and good for my relationship with my husband. So if that's what I can do for me right now, then that's what I need to try to do.
0: Hey, everyone. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and hopeful In spite of all the craziness happening out there in the world, this is a special bonus episode that I'm excited to share with you because there have been a lot of changes in the way we are receiving healthcare right now. I wanted to hear firsthand what it's actually like to give birth in a hospital during this global pandemic. My guest today lives in a hard hit COVID-19 hotspot in the New York, New Jersey area. She just recently gave birth to her second child, which is great because she had a similar birth plan with the first baby, but didn't have to contend with a pandemic for that one. So I had the added bonus of hearing her compare each birth experience with each other. And also I got to hear her perspective on what has changed in protocol with this most recent birth. She's in her early thirties. She's athletic, a CrossFitter. She lifts weights and she's just generally a major badass mama. I really enjoyed our conversation and... I hope you do too. I am your host, Christy Williams, and this is Birth. So, this is your second baby, yeah, and your your first is how old?
1: She's two years old. Two so years old in full toddler mode.
0: Wow! And the new the newborn is uh, when was he born?
1: Uh, He's born at the end of March.
0: Wow. Okay, so he was born right in the thick of the COVID nineteen crisis. Oh, which yeah. is um, pretty crazy.
1: It was definitely an interesting way to give birth. <laughs> yeah. I was fortunate that a lot of things went very well. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. Um, overall, I had a very positive experience considering what is happening. Right. I had to learn over the course, as I, basically everyone around the world did over the course of the few weeks where things just kept getting progressively more restrictive and a little more somber. Mm -hmm. Um, we all had to learn how to cope with that. So I had to do a very mindful job of coping with how my birth experience may go the second time around Mm -hmm. along with the environment that the COVID crisis was creating, which was a really good lesson for me. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I'm typically a fairly anxious person. Hmm. Um, Some parents might tell you that having a child makes you uh, let things go a little bit more sometimes or it makes you more anxious about certain things. Hmm. And I think that having this baby around this time, particularly because it was my second, I was able to compartmentalize certain aspects of the birthing experience because I had had one already. Right. And while other things kind of unraveled out of control, particularly towards the end of my pregnancy, Uh um, that forced me to really focus on being positive about hmm. what was go- about to happen
0: right oh my god okay so let's go back a little bit because yeah. i want to hear like the whole <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> how, how we got how we got here we're not going to go into the full experience of your first birth just in, for the sake of time i would love to sure. but um uh, i
1: mean overall I, I was almost 39 weeks was 38 and six um, you mean with the birth. first,
0: with the first birth? With my first baby. Yeah. yeah. And the pregnancy generally was okay. Was good. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I really, um, in the grand scheme of things, cannot complain, you know, a little blips here and there. Mm-hmm. I did get the flu with my first, oh. which maybe was a, uh, a good precursor for oh, <laughs> wow. not to get COVID. Do you remember what,
0: <laughs> what trimester you were in?
1: Oh, I was 35 weeks pregnant. So oh, very pregnant. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, but it was good timing. You know, I was winding down at work anyway. Yeah. I got to sit on the couch for 10 days and kind of recover from the flu, which prepared me for sitting around with
0: a newborn. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs>
1: but the birth and everything, it was really just very straightforward, very boring, which I will take being the most boring
0: You mean the first, the first birth was boring. Yes. (laughs) And uh, as a first time mother, (laughs) you were saying (laughs) that, like it must have gone pretty smoothly. (laughs) Let me just preface this by you're someone who works out. You you lift yes. weights, right? Is that okay for I, I me do. to say?
1: You could even say, I crossfit, like Christy. Yes, okay. <laughs> you are
0: a CrossFitter. And I remember seeing, um, you know, a video of you lifting, I don't know, it was like a car, basically, <laughs> uh, like right before you're about to give birth. So you think that really helped you sort of um, with the focus? I don't know. I sort of imagine anyone who, who works out like that has to have a lot of focus and- I don't know, conquer fear.
1: <laughs> is that well, fair to
0: say? Sure.
1: I think for me personally working out and we'll get to this in the post part of part of this discussion. Oh, okay. For me, working out is my release. It's my it's my way to relieve stress. It's kind of it's my hobby. So instead of knitting or painting or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, I like going to the gym. And that's my outlet. So mm-hmm. for me, I knew that through pregnancies through the first and the second, That things can get stressful, and that going to work out, no matter in what capacity it was, and obviously it changed drastically over the course of my pregnancy. Mm. um, It was important for me to continue to just move. Yeah, Um, and I think most doctors would tell you that at this point, they probably Mm. wouldn't tell you to lift (laughs) like I was lifting, but I've been doing it for many years beforehand, so I never, I always felt comfortable. Um, and how I was moving. And I always felt like it was a purposeful thing for me to be doing. Mm-hmm. So I always considered it a way to just get through my pregnancy in my own personal way.
0: Mm-hmm. And so with your, just so we can contrast, your first birth was, was not in the time of COVID. <laughs> with no. your second birth, <laughs> which is um, your first birth. How long did you labor? Um, how was your labor? The
1: first birth was... Um, I'll try to make it as quick as possible. Basically, I ended work. I went to the gym on a Thursday night. So mm-hmm. there's kind of reference for you. Nice. My last day of work was a Friday for a little treat for myself. I decided to give myself a massage. Nice. And my husband and I were going to have pizza and ice cream because why not? Yeah. <laughs> I remember going in for the massage and the woman said, you know, how far along are you? I said, I'm doing about a week, a week and a couple days. So we're pretty far along. She goes, oh, OK, so I don't have to worry. I was like, what does that mean? She goes, worry about like pressing all the points that could stimulate things. And I was like, I guess not, lady. You know, do what you got to do. <laughs> so uh-huh. that was a Friday night. By Saturday morning, I was having contractions.
0: <laughs> wow. So she
1: did, she did her job. Mm-hmm. And then all day Saturday, I was having contractions, but they weren't super regular and they weren't getting closer together. I remember I walked around Target. <laughs> I went to lunch with a friend. You and went to the- Target
0: when you were in labor? Yeah because
1: I didn't sitting was not fun. I didn't want to sit. Who wants wow. to sit? I needed to move.
0: <laughs> I needed to walk. Wow. Were they um, what were you like in pain in target or was no, it just no, sort of no. like a little okay.
1: It was like they were still like every 20 30 minutes apart and okay, they were gotcha. yeah you know, like calm contractions.
0: Right. Yeah, cuz um, your water hadn't broken or anything you were just feeling. No, yeah. No.
1: Just, okay. just we're just in it. Yeah. And I called my doctor first time mom and she was like you could be having contractions for a week if you know that's possible and I said well you're crazy (laughs) Um,
0: I mean I have heard of that which is I know crazy the
1: point where i probably got a little crazy was by the afternoon i was definitely having more regular contractions things were moving along and i decided i, I had to go get a pedicure because of course i did <laughs> and so i remember walking in and i was having contractions and the woman did not want to do my nails because she was afraid i was going to like burst the child into the little tub where you put your feet <laughs> <laughs> but I said, please just do this for me. This is the last hour I'm going to have peace and quiet to myself.
0: <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's going to remember you forever, yeah. probably.
1: and <laughs> um, then I had kind of given the heads up to my husband he was working
0: well you hadn't uh, told him you were having contractions at this point i mean
1: i was but i didn't think it was like that serious because i wasn't in pain and everybody tells you how much pain you're gonna be in the yeah. first time and i so know I that really surprised that. me
0: too yeah <laughs> right yeah how no. long it took for the pain to kick in. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I guess this isn't that bad. And then when the pain yeah, kicks in, you're like, this. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah.
1: Um, so he, I got my pedicure by the time I got home from then it was late afternoon. I didn't feel like sitting. So I just started like, you know, stress cleaning and like stress packing and uh-huh. doing all the things.
0: I um, love, yeah. I love your, your personality and <laughs> labor. It really comes out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He got home from work. It was about almost eight o'clock at night. We, we had something light for dinner. And then this is like one of those stupid things that would only ever happen during a first labor that Mm. will never happen again. My water broke in the shower. Oh, so 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 that was convenient. Or did you know? Oh, I knew.
0: Okay, how much water came out? Because when my water broke, I mean, it, it was just a trickle. So. Oh really? Oh, yeah. No,
1: it was like it was it was the full. It full was Monty.
0: Here. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not just peeing myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: That is convenient. And then, nice.
1: To, and then to your point before, active labor started and the, oh oh crap moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> So once the active labor started, then it was like contractions were every like one to two minutes. Mm-hmm. We had to get to the hospital. <laughs> um, I was strep B positive. So I don't know if that's like a national test that they do for all pregnant women. Yeah, they
0: did it for me. I don't okay. know. Um, so what what's involved with the protocol if you're strep B positive? So like all the- I
1: was told, and it's not a big deal, it's not harmful to the baby if you take care of it but the doctor just said as soon as your water breaks you have to come to the hospital regardless of where you are in your labor um because they need to hook you up to an iv and give you antibiotics so that when the baby comes out the, the strep it's like like strep throat like mm-hmm. a strain of strep in your throat there's a mm-hmm. strain in your vagina and mm-hmm. it it can get passed along to the baby so um gotcha. so i knew that was the protocol so it wasn't a big deal we got to the hospital, and from there, you know, again, can't complain, <laughs> really can't complain. Uh, things were progressing nicely. I got my epidural.
0: So, what you do know. you know how far, how, how much you were dilated at the point you got to the hospital? And, like, were you pretty far along? And then they gave you the epidural? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I was only like two or three centimeters when I got to the hospital. And mind you, I was in like very active labor. So there was no like stopping anything. Right. How was the
0: how was the pain management before you got the epidural? Was it was it pretty bad? Like were you It was
1: intense. It was and I consider myself someone who has a fairly I won't say high pain tolerance because I'm not I'm not that much of a badass, Kirsty. Well, but like, no, you're a pretty I can tough handle cookie. shit. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my husband was was of no help.
0: What What do you mean? Was he just like I don't know what to do to help you in a way? Yeah, like,
1: he gets like that anyway in stressful situations sometimes. Mm, so yeah. I'm not. I wasn't surprised, but at one point he did say he would like to trade places with me, and no. I almost actually like punched him in the face. So. <laughs> uh,
0: I was like, cool. Yeah. That can't
1: happen right now. So yeah. just shut up and go sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. I remember feeling bad for my husband too, because they just look yeah. so helpless. You know, I you're know. just They're like, just- uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Just go, go to the cafeteria or whatever, right. you know. <laughs> Go yeah. away.
1: Um. So we, so this was all happening in the middle of the night, I should preface. And it was happening on an early Sunday morning, mm-hmm. which was really the best way to give birth. There was not very many people in the hospital. It was very quiet. You know, my husband got to sleep since he had worked all day. Mm-hmm. So he was able to kind of sleep while um, they were letting me progress after I got the epidural. Right.
0: What was and, your epidural experience like?
1: Um, The first one, you don't, well, you don't know what to expect. So you're kind of just rolling with it yeah yeah, yeah. i'm sure you've heard this before the hardest part was um staying still while you're having a contraction and the, the- anesthesiologist is shoving a needle in your spine so <laughs> right that's a little nerve practice right
0: uh, <laughs> yeah but the that- thing that surprised me is like when you're in that amount of pain if even if you have like a needle aversion you're like i don't care just just get oh, it no. in, right well, you yeah. can't
1: see it anyway so yeah it yeah definitely yeah. helps um once i got the epidural though the very gorgeous doctor was like uh, in about twelve <laughs> in about twelve minutes you're gonna feel much better. And I was like, twelve minutes? I was like, okay, bud. And I, I swear to god it was twelve minutes later and I felt like a million dollars. Wow, and great. I wanted to kiss this beautiful doctor who helped me not <laughs> feel pain anymore.
0: <laughs> oh hold that thought. It's time for fun facts you didn't know about giving birth. Did you know that you don't have to choose just one pain management option for childbirth? You can request a combo of pain management. And if you're not ready for an epidural, you can try nitrous oxide, for example, or ask for a small dose of morphine even. Talk to your doctor or midwife about all of the different pain medications that are available to you. And please ask your birth partner to be an advocate for you in those moments when you might not be able to communicate clearly while you're in labor. You can do this, ladies. You've got options. And now back to the show. Then I was nine
1: centimeters, but the doctor came in and she's like, you can't feel it right now, but your baby's feet are still very high. Like she's got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So they let me sit for a couple of hours And then, when it was time to push, we woke my dear husband up from his little cat nap. (laughs) Oh, wow. Basically, within 10 minutes, our little baby girl was here.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, pushing the pushing phase sounded like it was the easiest part, maybe?
1: Well, so this is where, you know, crazy CrossFit people kind of get their reputation. I honestly looked at it like a little workout. Yeah. And I held my own legs and I said, let's like, let's do this. Like, let's right. just push right. this baby out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see
0: did. that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into it, whether it's your own physical anatomy and how the baby's coming out, right. how small or big the baby is. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. I'm not just saying uh,
0: right? That no. doing
1: doing uh, 200-pound back squats is what helps get my baby out quicker.
0: <laughs> 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 right. Well, hey, look. It might, it might've. So the pushing was how long? 10 minutes?
1: Yeah, maybe it really. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And was there any tearing with your first?
1: No, I, I had just a a few stitches.
0: Okay. um, So like maybe a little first degree tear, like just the skin.
1: Yeah. I think I I had three stitches. Okay. uh, My baby girl. And, um, she was great and healthy and, Ten fingers, ten toes, and all the good things, and uh, yes, that was that was my first birthing story, which I think prepared me for my second. In that, you know, you kind of can visualize a little bit better, and you understand some of the risks or things that can happen a little bit better. The second one was definitely a little bit different, still still fairly drama free, but it was definitely a different experience.
0: Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Well, first of all, with your babies, how, how was conception?
1: For one or two. Well, for both. Or both. How was how, so, how
0: easily did you conceive the first, and how was conception the second time around?
1: So I'll, I'll call myself a little bit of a unicorn. I was super fortunate, and I'm super grateful that whatever you believe in or whoever you believe in helped me out this way. Um, we were able to conceive without issue for both. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's really, I think, until you or your friend group or you know people who experience conception that doesn't happen easily, yeah. it's, it's not something that you take for granted until it happens for you.
0: So. Yeah. Well, the other thing is we assume everyone conceives easily because those are the stories we usually hear. Normally, Correct. people who don't conceive evil easily, they don't talk about it because it's it's scary. Yeah.
1: I try to like think a lot about not in a um, like Debbie Downer kind of way, but like what if I was put in a situation where where things didn't happen the way I thought they would, and mm-hmm. it's it's even a scary place to go to, knowing that we did conceive you know, naturally yeah. and, and the way we wanted to. So it's, I can only imagine actually going through it being just an exponentially more difficult experience, Yeah, but no, so we were, we were very lucky. So our first, she was just, she was 17 months. I think when we conceived
0: the second, okay, the second,
1: got it. um, so they are about two years and two months apart for some reason, we thought maybe the second wouldn't be conceived right away that it might take a couple of months. Hmm. So we just started trying and um thinking that it would take maybe a little bit and you know three weeks later I missed my period and we were pregnant again
0: so that's the crazy thing about conception you just don't know
1: you don't know
0: <laughs> you don't know what how fast it's gonna happen it's crazy
1: um. Yeah. So, so
0: you conceived and then you're like, okay, here we go. We're going again, round two. And how was that pregnancy?
1: Mostly fine. No real, very dramatic hiccup. Mm-hmm. Nausea? No. And I, I mean, yes. Nausea in like the sense that, you know, you have days where you don't feel great or there's food aversions and mm-hmm. things like that, but nothing extreme, mm-hmm. um, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that definitely happened differently this time was I was eating a lot differently to begin with.
0: Tell me what do you mean. So
1: I had recently finished breastfeeding the first. Okay. Within within two months of conceiving the second. Oh wow. Um. So my body my body went through a crazy yo yo phase where basically I finished breastfeeding. I gained ten pounds almost. Overnight it felt like. Wow. And then we conceived and then you're kind of going through all of those pregnancy hormones.
0: Yeah. Wow, you're um, you emotionally that must have been like a roller coaster because when you wean, at least my understanding is because I'm still breastfeeding my son, but even when he started eating solids and he dropped, you know, some feedings. Right. Um, I went through a crazy emotional hormonal swing. And I didn't understand what was happening to me. I know some women are probably more sensitive than others, but come to find out like, yeah, your body goes you know has to readjust so did you experience that as well or was it more of like a physical manifestation of like so
1: I had been weaning my first for over the course of two months okay um, because I knew that I personally was wanting to be done Mm -hmm. she was showing the signs of wanting to be done we were down to to your point just a few feeds a day anyway okay um, because at that point she was over a year so she was Mm -hmm. eating a lot more solids Mm -hmm. um so I think it was, a, it was a nice culmination of she was ready, I was ready. And the hormonal part of it maybe didn't happen the same way
0: mm-hmm. with
1: the exception of me gaining weight at the end of it, which is definitely hormonal. Gotcha. Um, and I thought because I was down to one feed a day, I figured, oh, how much weight could I possibly gain? You know, you hear stories. Yeah. But I figured, you know, it's one feed. What's the big deal? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was wrong. So by the time I like, got through the first trimester... I was kind of in in fuck it mode, essentially, as far as it came to like pretending that uh, my body wasn't going to be changing Mm. drastically over the next couple months. So I definitely started this pregnancy at a higher fighting weight, so to speak. Yeah, which was fine. I'm a number is just a number. Right. And I knew Mm -hmm. I didn't gain a lot with my first. Um, I attribute that to kind of staying active and not eating like a jerk. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew I had to try to do the same with the second knowing that I had the added wrinkle of a toddler and a toddler yeah. diet to kind of exactly. <laughs> work around and I yeah. was um I'm still home with her at home with both mm-hmm. of them. So, you know, it's it's not like I was going to work and packing myself a nice healthy salad every day or things like that. I was
0: eating right. whatever was you're su- you're in survival mode yeah. still. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um yeah. and you know, cheese sticks are prevalent in our house. There's always a lot of <laughs> cheese sticks. So that was like a whole different thing. But as far as like dealing with the pregnancy, um, hormonal, I felt okay. I don't think I felt drastically different than the first time with the exception of maybe a little more exhaustion. And I think that's from taking care of a toddler all day. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um,
1: physically, I definitely got a lot bigger, a lot quicker which you hear from a lot of second-time moms, that your body's just ready to receive the pregnancy (laughs) a little bit better. It's
0: like, oh, muscle memory. Let me just go ahead and fall out for you. Oh, my goodness. So, (laughs) thankfully,
1: I didn't get wider, but my belly shot out and got really big really quickly. And I think that took me by surprise because I always felt a lot bigger than the weeks we're suggesting which you know makes you a little self-conscious sometimes <laughs> like yeah like when people see those you, apps can what be what do you what do you do you know april 1st mm. what you know you have how many months left to go so rude I well stop. i had like
0: <laughs> the opposite problem well i mean I, I only had one but so i don't know a second experience might be totally different but um, I had the opposite where people kind of made me feel bad for not gaining weight. Yeah. Like, Oh, you're too small. Let's you got to eat something. And I'm like, I'm throwing up <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. 10, 10 oh. to 20 times a day. Like get out of my face. <laughs> so people, people just need to like, chill. take a chill and pill. Shy. Every woman carries the baby so that is appropriate for her body size. Yeah. And different. And it's none of your business. And you definitely
1: appreciate um, that, right? Like you see, yeah. um, like friends of mine that are having their first right now and they're so teeny tiny and you're like oh that's cute like enjoy that
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um but overall really the pregnancy was was really fine until um the last month when I think every woman first second fifth pregnancy feels like crap anyway
0: so. <laughs> right right the first time around, had you taken like a birthing class and all that? We took just a I'm just curious, just a
1: baby class, like basically what to do with your baby when you get home from the hospital.
0: Okay, so you didn't do a labor and delivery class or anything. No, I. No. I'm just curious if you did like a refresher for the no, second one, not, hips, no. or if you just go like you know, like, oh, just, we already did this recently. We're just go it's with fine. It. <laughs> cool. Um, um. So you're getting nearer the due date, and this, the world starts blowing, (laughs) starts
1: falling apart.
0: (laughs) What's going through your mind? What was your communication with your doctor? How did that even scare you at all? Or were you just like, oh, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. What was, where was your headspace as COVID started to become a reality? And you knew you were going to have a hospital birth. Yeah. So, you know,
1: basically by the end of February, it was clear that it was here in America. The disease was here Mm -hmm. and that things were going to start changing a little bit. And then it just seemed like every week it was like a new domino, new house of cards was falling. And it was nerve wracking just because there's so many unknowns. And mm-hmm. in, in a birth, there's so many unknowns to begin with. You know, I can sit here now having had the second and pretend like I was cool as a cucumber that I was going to have this nice vaginal birth and everything was going to be great and nothing was going to go wrong but you have, there's no guarantee in that. Mm -hmm. So it was managing that stress of an uh, impending birth and managing the stress of this impending global pandemic, um, that kind of created this perfect storm. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm really just so fortunate that this was my second experience having a child. I'm really feeling for all of the women in not only my life, but around the world that are having their first babies during all of this because they don't get to experience all of the same levels of joy, um, like like not having a baby shower or not having your mom or dad or grandma or aunt around to help you after the baby's born or and things like that. So I think for me, I was able to put, put that in a space because I had been through it before. Like my husband and I knew no matter what, we would be able to successfully take care of an infant child because we had at least had the experience of doing it once before. So that kind of portion, that nerve wracking experience that a lot of first time parents face, I think we were able to put away and just say, okay, we got that. So we don't have to worry about that. And then for me personally, the birthing part of it was kind of the same. I took the same mentality, like, okay, I've done this before there are things that can go wrong. I can have an emergency C-section. The baby could be breached. The, you know, all of the things that you kind of rack your brain through. But I said, okay, I've been through this. It's the same hospital. It's the same group of doctors. It's the same mm-hmm. kind of experience that you travel through the hospital in the same way. Let me put that in a place. Mm-hmm. And that was kind right. of like the beginning of March. you you're you're putting things in places, you're preparing mentally for the baby, you're nesting for the baby, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're doing all those things.
0: So um, just to interject real quick. So I'm just curious, none of the protocol changed at your specific hospital for how to get in, you know, because a lot of women are saying that they have to go to a different entrance and the hospital tour that they took, or, you know, even if they had the chance to take the hospital tour before giving the baby, like it's a different now. And so- uh, but yours, your own hospital didn't, nothing changed as far as how to get there and where to get up to the labor and delivery and all Oh, that. no,
1: it changed very drastically, but it all happened oh. very quickly. So all of that that I just explained was like end of February, early March.
0: Oh, yeah. oh okay. okay. Now I'm with <laughs> you. <laughs> <Sorry>. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: so now we're like in mid-March. I'm about two weeks out and it, It was, it was probably the same weekend for everybody. It was the weekend of March, like 13th and 14th. And I won't forget it because one of my very good friends had to cancel her baby shower. And that was kind of when the dominoes really started falling. So schools closed around here. And, um, that was the big, that was the first big thing was people were going to have to start working from home and teaching from home. And that was that first big domino that fell. And then over the course of that week, it was, Things at the grocery stores change, and things at mm-hmm. retail stores change, and it seems like every day another thing was happening. So in my yeah. head, it was only a matter of time before things were going to change in the way I was birthing. Yeah. So the so first was the doctor's office. They there's like three different branches that they operate. And they consolidate everybody into one office and they sent out a whole email about how they were only allowing uh, one patient in and out at a time. They were only taking women who had uh, emergent appointments or who were very far along in their pregnancy, such as I was, mm-hmm. you know, the typical protocols that we've seen now they're taking your temperature at the door and at that point they weren't requiring you to wear a mask or gloves or anything but the office staff was um and everybody was being very super careful about keeping a distance and um obviously the nurses and the doctors have to get up close and personal with you anyway but i never felt that there there's obviously an an inherent risk in doing all of those things when you're very pregnant Mm -hmm. but i never felt like it warranted not doing it. Cause I yeah. always felt like it was more important to go than not go.
0: Right. And, oh, and how many weeks, sorry, this is beginning of March. So you were I'm like 37 like
1: 30. or yeah. 30, okay. six, 30, seven. So yeah.
0: So you're at full term. Yes and and so you're just checking to make sure you know because at that point you go every week Mm -hmm. right so you were still going okay
1: yeah and i knew the baby was head down everything was going nicely and at that point the hospital protocols hadn't yet changed it was just the doctor's office protocols so Mm -hmm. that was you're like okay like no big deal the hospital had a tent set up across the street Mm -hmm. uh for testing so that was kind of for covid yes
0: okay yeah so it was separated
1: yes but nothing like inside the hospital had really changed yet until a couple days later because everything was happening so rapidly. First, they banned all visitors. And you're thinking, okay, that's not so bad. I don't need 800 people in the hospital anyway visiting this
0: small baby had you had your birth plan before they banned visitors included having anyone else in the room or anyone else in the hospital while you were giving birth not
1: anyone else in the room besides my husband and then we pretty much told all of my siblings and my husband's siblings don't worry about coming to the hospital not even because of covid this was before don't worry about coming you know where to find us you'll meet this baby like just come to our house it will be a lot better don't worry mm-hmm. about dragging yourself to the hospital. And they all seem to. Right, get but your
0: parents, parents and were grandparents gonna come. We were going to come. We're
1: going to have them come because it's very exciting for them. Um. So once they banned the visitors, everybody understood because at that point you could see where where things were headed, and it was not mm-hmm. to a good place. So everybody understood that no visitors was obviously for the best. And then just a few days later. We then found out that the maternity and labor and delivery wing in the hospital was only allowing one support person who they were considering a spouse or a partner mm. or Like a doula midwife in the delivery portion, so either you could have your spouse or you could have your doula, right? And that was fine too, since I didn't have a doula or a midwife, I knew that my husband would be there with me. That was also not that big of a deal.
0: So, how are you getting these updates and information? Was it directly through your doctor's office that they were sending you as they had new new standards coming in, or were you just reading it online? Like how where where are you finding out the info, and what do you recommend like people? do to stay on top of how their hospital is handling things. So it's funny
1: that you mentioned that. So a lot of the initial updates, again, I don't know how it works all over, but for us, it was recommended slash required that you register with the hospital before you go to give birth. So a couple months before, you fill out some paperwork with your expected due date, da-da-da-da-da, you send it in, and they it sounds like they kind of reserve a spot for you, so to speak. I think for them it's just a bed management kind of thing to yeah. understand how many people they could have at any one time. Um, mm-hmm. So I was registered through the hospital. So those initial updates, I was getting emails from the labor and delivery unit.
0: Okay, so it's directly from the horse's mouth. Yes, You're not yes, like, yes, yes. Right, okay.
1: Funny enough, though, so the weekend before I happened to go into labor – It was a Facebook rumor that was then confirmed. Um, so So a friend saw it on Facebook and sent it to me that, you know, they had initially just said one support person was allowed in labor and delivery and then in mother baby afterwards. They were now saying it was a Saturday. It was it was on a Saturday that no support person. So no spouse, no partner, no doula, no midwife, no nobody was going to be allowed in the delivery or the mother baby. So basically it was very, I had a very like handmaid's tale <laughs> experience.
0: And so in the mother baby, meaning like the recovery room yes, and everything,
1: everything they were just oh banning. Gosh. They were banning everybody. Yeah. That so that, that sounds scary. All of this, and I'm so thankful that I get to speak to you about this. Cause in all of that, again, I might sound like I'm totally fine. That was definitely the most stressful thing I have gone through in either pregnancy by far. And I think mm. I'm not alone in saying that. And I've known my husband for eight years now. I have, I had to call him and tell him this because I was just as shocked as he was and he was working and I've, I've never heard him more angry and more upset in All the time I've known him and that triggered me to have a very emotional response. Yeah. Um, because there was a possibility that he wouldn't be there to, um, see the birth of his son. And I just thought that was so completely tragic and unfair. And it was really, that was definitely the most emotional I had been the entire time. Not to mention I was 38 weeks pregnant. So I was pretty emotional anyway. That was a really tough pill to swallow I mm-hmm. was actually in a bath because it was the end of the day and I was trying to relax <laughs> and so my bath was ruined but I, I I had my moment I had my like my little cry fest and I called my mom and had another cry fest
0: <laughs> and yeah
1: I had my moment and and then I started to say okay how are we going to process this because if this isn't going to change then I need to be able to deal with it because I can't make the rules. So as I started to process what in my head, like what it would be like to like visualize going to the hospital by myself or having my husband drop me off at the hospital and say, see you in two days, you know, and giving birth by myself and recovering by myself, like what that could be like. Um, So that was a helpful tool to have to kind of visualize and sense what it could be like if this were the case. Mm. long story long, uh, just a few hours after I had initially heard the news, the hospital came back and actually reversed that decision Mm. because it sounds like they had received a wrath of shit from
0: Oh, the entire yeah. the, the oh, entire yeah. universe. Yeah, there was an uproar about that. I mean, oh my gosh, yes. on social media alone. I mean, it was like, Correct. they had a riot on their hands. I
1: will say in my processing of possibly not having my husband there,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: have to obviously think of the people who are working there, exposed to all types of people, whether giving birth or not, and right. that their safety also needs to be put in mind. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my process. Like, okay, these nurses and doctors are also just trying to protect themselves and the people they work with and their loved ones. And, and I am just one person who is fortunate enough to be having a baby and, and let alone during this time and mm. that it will be a healthy baby. And I, sh- I should just hold on to that nugget of all of this and let them do what they need to do. Mm. Um, and I still think that holds true today. However, I think that having allowing a support person there, though there is a risk in allowing maybe an unscreened person, so mm-hmm. someone who hasn't been tested for the virus, to be around, you know, all of the nurses and doctors. I mean, even just in the very short period we were at the hospital, you see your you see an OB twice, you see a pediatrician, mm-hmm. you see the um, person who does the audiology test, you see mm-hmm. someone who does. The birth certificate. I mean, you're seeing at least 10 or 12 people. Yeah, it's a parade. Of your room. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like um, a parade of like, what? What do you need? Okay, here you go. <laughs> yeah, here. You, yeah. Know,
1: you, you need me to get naked? I'm already <laughs> naked. Congratulations. <laughs> like, here you go. So, in my mind, it's like, how are you going to let all of those people still be allowed to move freely <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the mother baby unit? as needed, but you're not gonna allow my husband to be there. So there was a little bit of that too. Yeah. Um again, thankfully he was able to be there. Yes. I have spoken to women who have given birth even in the almost three weeks that we have not been there. Um it sounds like they're still allowing partners, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um they are taking more precautions with having patients and their partners where protective gear, which is great. I okay. I don't think that's a problem at all. If I had Did to wear you a mask wear... while I was laboring. Oh. No. So um the nurse said maybe while I was pushing <laughs> they would like me to wear one. But hmm. at that point no one gave me anything and that certainly wasn't what was on
0: my mind at the moment. <laughs> so, was that because um they're close to you at that time?
1: They're close to me and I think, you know, when you're pushing you're you're physically exerting yourself. So there was more of a chance that Maybe some droplets from whether me breathing or if I, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever could, could happen. So Um, was,
0: was the support staff on the nurses and doctor and whoever was in the room, they were all wearing masks the whole time when you were in there?
1: They were wearing masks and gloves. Yeah. Well, gloves, obviously, because they were touching all kinds of stuff down there. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but yes, they were all wearing masks. I will say though, as a, as a whole, so from my experience, from even just getting to the hospital, um, which thankfully, again, we got there in the middle of the night. I guess my body prefers to labor through the middle of the night. <laughs>
0: um,
1: when we got there, there was no one at the hospital. It was literally 2.30 in the morning. Um, there was so no the f-
0: one there? What do you mean? No. So like no other patients, also- no one wait. Well, nobody could wait. So maybe that's also why it was a little more empty, right? Because they weren't allowing visitors.
1: Correct. And also um, that was one thing that changed. So there is a separate maternity entrance at this hospital Mm -hmm. um they had closed that entrance so every person had to go through the front entrance which wasn't super exciting to me Hmm. um knowing that you have everybody going through the same entrance that wasn't why
0: i wonder if it's because they're not having everyone come to work
1: i think part of it too was just crowd control so to speak you're Um, like less entrances that people can go in and out of the better, right. which they I do understand. The entrance right But like, let the pregnant ladies go through a clean entrance.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so I was very thankful that when we got to the hospital, the doors were literally locked. Like they locked the doors. We had a knock on the door and a security guard came and let us in. Uh, he screened. He took our temperature. And then Even yours, you're
0: like, I gotta give birth. He took your temperature. Yeah, I guess I they like, have to make sure that you right. they, they don't have to take extra precaution with you if it you was have fine. A fever. I was yeah. fine
1: with it. Um, and then when we got down to maternity, they asked us a series of questions. Which I mean, you would hope no one would lie about these things, but there are bad people in the world. I mean, they're right. very innocuous, easy questions. Have you you mean? At,
0: you mean when you got to triage? Like they normally ask you questions when they give you an intake, but then these were related to COVID.
1: These were even, because the maternity entrance was locked. This was even before we were allowed to enter the doors of maternity.
0: Oh, got Um, it. Okay. So tell me what they said.
1: It was just like, have you traveled? Do you have have a fever? Do you have a sore throat? Do you have a cough? You know, all these other things. Have you been exposed to anybody? Have you been tested? They're Mm -hmm. very like easy questions. We answered them with flying colors and they let us in. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so we were in triage for a bit. And again it was the middle of the night so it was it was night, night shift kind of vibe so the nurses yeah. and the doctors were all pretty loosey-goosey but that was good it, it made everybody kind of feel a little bit better a
0: little more relaxed um, probably how, yeah. how far apart were your contractions when you decided to go did you wait yeah. as long as possible because you didn't want to go there
1: so I wanted to <laughs> because with my first I felt like I't I didn't wait too long yeah. but I you know I knew what to expect. So my contractions over the course of only like three hours, it was very quick the second time when I literally started having contractions at nine o'clock at night and between nine and 12, they went from being 30 minutes apart to like six minutes apart. Oh, wow. It was very quick, which everybody warns you that the second time will be quicker. I was not expecting it to be that
0: quick. Yeah, that's pretty fast.
1: So my husband... He, he works shift work. So he was on night shifts, of
0: course. Mm-hmm. That oh, night. So, so he wasn't with you?
1: No. Um, so basically, I had put our toddler to bed. I like kind of started doing my nighttime routine. And then I started having contractions. and I was like, oh, boy. So <laughs> I gave him the heads up. I said, these are starting, but let me see how it goes. But just let your supervisor know you might be heading home at some point tonight. Because yeah. he works a 12-hour shift.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: and I knew I wouldn't be in labor for twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so once they started progressing pretty quickly, I called him in. Um, my dad was the caretaker of our toddler um, at that point, so I called him over so he could, you know, sleep on our couch. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we, no one knew what to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so we made our way to the hospital. And by the time I got to the hospital, they were they were still coming. At that point. Every like four or five minutes. So I felt comfortable like being like, okay, this was the time to go to the hospital. Right. My water hadn't broken yet. But I knew from last time, once my water broke, shit got real, real quick. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I wanted to prevent that, especially how quickly I had progressed. I, I felt like my water was going to break and then the baby was going to pop out. So
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, we get to the hospital, things are still progressing. My water still hadn't broken, which was a little frustrating um and then my contractions just stopped like oh. the baby was fine i was fine all the vitals were good but my contractions just stopped for like a
0: good hour
1: and it was so frustrating <laughs> cuz no one wants to sit there
0: yeah um, i've yeah. heard of this happening to so many people do you think it was oh. it was the added stress of being in the environment of <laughs> The, the craziness uh, of the hospital at the time. I mean, like has- it, ha- it has to I have had some possible. effect. Okay.
1: Um, Cause the unit again, it being the middle of the night, I think it was me and two other women were in there having babies. So it like was really quiet. Okay. All, you know, it was, That's it was good. pretty calm. It was, you know, Yeah, I just think, I think kind of at that point, the stress of everything is getting to you. So that's definitely possible.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, whatever the reason, the contractions stop, which is really frustrating. (laughs) You're
1: like, come on, dude.
0: Yeah. Uh, Are you in pain at this point? And how dilated were you?
1: I was still about three centimeters. Okay. And I really wasn't in that like active labor pain yet. So I felt like I kind of uh, shot shot my shot a little early <laughs> Two mm-hmm. days nicer face. Um, and I, that was frustrating to me because I am very type A and I wanted this to be timed very well and it wasn't being timed very well. <laughs>
0: and I, mm. like, I could still be home <laughs> yeah you know? yeah but
1: I was glad to be in the hospital. I was glad to be under the care of prof- medical professionals. so at that point they came in and the one thing I was trying to avoid, Was having any additional? I was ready to have an epidural, but I was trying to avoid pitocin, um, because I've heard so many different stories—good, bad, ugly, everything in between—about it. Um,
0: And the first baby, you didn't have to have any pitocin at all to keep things moving, right? It just was like once the train was going, it was going. Once my water
1: broke, it was like let's let's do this. Great. To backtrack a little bit, that uh, morning—the morning I went into labor—was my first internal
0: um, check. My they just checked your cervix weeks. yes what did they do so I, I, i'm trying to remember what they do in the eternal they just like put their fingers in your cervix and see how if their you're dilated fingers,
1: it's like all the way up to their elbow it's just it's
0: awful <laughs>
1: um it's i swear it's more uncomfortable than giving birth um huh. and well i don't remember
0: like, them doing that to me oh my God, i it's mean
1: like so, they just, just like they keep going um <laughs> <they're> not, <laughs>
0: I guess I forgot, but I, yeah, I don't remember it being that invasive, but oh. then again, you know, maybe I didn't get there cause my son came early. Wait, was, um, your baby boy early too? I, where were you at with the due date?
1: Here's here, again, type A symmetry for you. Okay. Uh, my first was born at 38 plus six. Okay. And this, my, my son was born at 38 plus six. Oh. <laughs> That's just crazy. That
0: is so crazy.
1: <laughs> um. So I had the internal and I joked with the doctor, like, listen, doc, like things are getting a little crazy around here. It would be really nice if this kind of kickstarted everything. And she's like, oh, we'll see, you know, and she, she did her job because uh, I'm definitely certain that the internal exam uh, kickstarted the, the, la- the, labor, the labor, which wow. is wonderful.
0: So you were, the labor stalled. That's where we left off. So the labor yeah. was stalled and you're like, I don't want to have Pitocin. And then what happened?
1: so the doctor came in and he said, we're going to put you in a labor and delivery room and you're going to get Pitocin and they're going to break your water. And I, at that point, you're just like, okay, let's roll with it. Like, here's another thing. Like let's, let's Mm -hmm. just do it. Did you have any
0: hesitation or were you just um, like, whatever you think I want to get this over with?
1: No, I, I asked like while we were walking there, I said, is it necessary? And they said, you know, it's not great that your contraction stalled. And since you were progressing so nicely, we would rather not, we'd rather keep you going, basically. It was kind of their mentality. Right. Um, and the nurse explained very nicely. She goes, it's your second child. We're giving you the smallest dose of Pitocin possible to see if that will kickstart it. Okay. And if that doesn't work after a half hour, you'll get another small dose of it. She goes, so we're not loading you up. Okay, and you know, so she she definitely calmed my fears about it.
0: Okay, good. I
1: told her I wasn't happy (laughs) about
0: having the Right? Did you feel Um, like? Well, you definitely could have said no, probably, but did you feel like? um, It's hard in the moment when you're in labor and you're just like, uh, whatever you think.
1: Also, too, it was like it was more like of a these people do this eight hundred times a year, right? So. Uh, Who am I? I can have, uh, to your point, I can advocate for myself. Absolutely. But I never thought it was a a decision that, I should like overrule them on,
0: Hmm. um,
1: because it's something they do every day. And I knew, I knew at the end of the day, the likelihood of me either having a bad reaction to the Pitocin or it not working properly or any of the other kind of negative effects were likely not to happen with someone like me, given my past birthing experience and how this, this current birthing experience was going. Mm -hmm. I kind of just weighed all of that out. Um, once they got me into the room, and they gave me the Pitocin. Um, the doctor came in and broke my water, which was another lovely experience. What well, was that like? It was similar to the internal. That's what kind of the feeling is. So they basically stick like a like a hook.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And and at that point you're not on any drugs, so you feel all of it, and um, it's it's uncomfortable. It's but it's quick. Okay. So you know you just deal with it, and um, but you're sitting in in a hospital bed. So once they break your water, you're just you're sitting in it. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. just keeps coming. And yeah. uh, it's pretty wet, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and you're just sitting there.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, once they broke my water though, similar to the first time, it got real, real quick. Mm-hmm. Like the contractions were coming fast and furious at that point, like a minute, two minutes apart most.
0: The baby doesn't have a cushion anymore. He's just no. on your pelvis, right? He's just yeah, down he's there. Like, Let's yeah. go. Yeah.
1: So, and then at that point, this is a... Good thing about it being my second, I knew to ask for the epidural a little bit sooner than I did the first time. Okay. The fir- you know, you don't know anything <laughs> the first time. Mm. And the nurse said, you should ask for it sooner rather than later, because you're probably going to start going pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I would hate for it to be too late for you. Okay. So I labored, quote unquote, with the very heavy contractions for like 30 or 40 minutes. Okay, And then I was like, okay, let's, let's get him in here.
0: Let's, mm-hmm. let's
1: do this. Thankfully, because it wasn't very busy that night. Uh, the doctor was pretty readily available. And he was there within like 10 or 15 minutes, which is very quick.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Super quick. And he came in, he did his thing. And once I had the epidural, you're kind of smooth sailing. <laughs> and that's good. they waited a little bit longer to let me keep progressing, let the baby come down a little bit. And I would say within about three hours of me getting the epidural, uh, it was time to push again. Wow. And, uh, you know, we did another... I, I told the nurse, so it was a nurse practitioner that delivered the baby because um, she was the the person on call from my practice, which was uh-huh, fine. Uh-huh. Um, she also delivers babies perfectly well, just, yeah. like, just like the doctors do. Sometimes um,
0: nurses have even more experience. I had one nurse who had been working in the hospital for 30 years and, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and uh, the doctor was younger than the nurse. So I was just like great. <laughs> you know, yeah, she knew what want, she was doing. Her, yeah. yeah.
1: The labor and delivery nurse that I had was the most amazing woman, you know, cause you have a lot of time to talk because it wasn't busy. I was her only patient at that point. Nice. So she was in our room a lot and I won't forget her anytime soon. She was probably, we'll say in her late forties or early fifties, maybe. Uh And you just get to talking because what else are you doing? My Mm -hmm. husband's sleeping in the corner again, taking (laughs) a little cat nap. (laughs) And so we just started talking, you know, how did you get into this? And she said, oh, I was an art director at a creative agency for 20 years. And I said, oh, like that's, that's where my career was progressing to. Like, that's what I was aiming to do before I decided to have babies And I said, what made you switch? And she said, I wanted to do something different with my life. And so when I was in my 30s, I was in the middle of having babies and I decided to go back to school and become a nurse. And she goes, I've been working at this hospital for for 18 years now. And it was just like such a well-timed story for me in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It was lovely to talk to someone who Made a giant career change, mm-hmm. um, in what would be perceived as like her mid career, mm-hmm. uh, while she was having babies, you know, and it was a really positive experience for me, uh, not only while I'm giving birth, which can be a little nerve wracking, but just to talk to a woman who gave me the confidence that I could do that one day too, you know?
0: That's awesome. So that was just
1: a little nice story.
0: <laughs> that Seriously, the through line of this podcast has been like, God bless nurses. I just oh. feel like they're like such heroes. I love that she was really there for you and able to connect with you, not just on like a "how can I help you" level, but on a like "who are you" and "how are you doing" and "this is who I yeah. am" and you know. And
1: so she was, she was in shape, and she we talked about how she lifts weights. Wow! And how, like what her what her back squat number was, and I was like, this, <laughs> this is like I'm. We are we are vibing right now. Like this is great
0: and That's she awesome. you know when I
1: was pushing she was like this is the one this is the one you've got this
0: <laughs> wow like, okay. <laughs> so tell me about okay so tell me about the pushing phase
1: um with your so son I told, I told my nurse my lovely nurse I said I want a PR I want to have a personal record for this birth so if we have 10 minutes let's get this done oh, She oh my like, yes. god so we did we got it done in 10 <laughs> minutes <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. I and how was the, um, how big was he com- in comparison with the first? Oh, did my that boy. feel different? I mean, you have the epidural, so, uh, so did you feel, my, did it feel different pushing him uh, out than the first? Or
1: my daughter was 6'11, so relatively small. Not okay. Like a peanut, but on the smaller end of the scale. Yeah, right?
0: that's exactly what my son was, oh, 6'11. And, yeah.
1: and then, as this guy's coming out, the nurse practitioner goes, do you know how big he's meant to be? And I said, no, I haven't had an ultrasound since my 20 weeks. So I have literally no idea.
0: What? He goes, you didn't have like, an ultrasound hey, since your 20 week? Nope. We'll get back to that. Okay. All right. It's okay. We'll just move on for now. I was just surprised.
1: Um, me too. I was too. And that is something that I did advocate for myself on, but the doctors were never concerned about it. So they mm-hmm. never... Wanted to write the prescription for one, right. which was a little frustrating, but mm. overall, I had to be happy that I was having a healthy, normal pregnancy and that no one was concerned.
0: Yeah, yeah of course. So anyway, um, so you I, I had they no say idea how big? Uh huh.
1: And so the nurse practitioner's like, his head's very large. and I'm like, oh, oh great, my poor vagina. Like that was my <laughs> first thought. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like uh, okay. Uh-huh. Now, meanwhile, you're like, oh, did your, did your husband go to see? No, no, Christy. If he could have been in the room next door, he would have been.
0: He was as far back
1: as humanly possible. Was he
0: up by your head? What was, what, what, did you guys discuss, oh, yeah. uh, like, did he not want to, is he squeamish or?
1: He's, so he's not a squeamish person uh but with the first he was also as far back as humanly possible and that was like an unknown to me so this Mm -hmm. time around we talked about it and i said do you want to like see the birth happen he goes no i'm good so that was fine we didn't talk about it again
0: (laughs) okay all right Uh, and but but he he was there with you like coaching you on pushing or or? sure yeah okay
1: he so he actually helped helped me hold up the one leg this time. Okay. Um, cause I, the epidural hit me a little bit differently than the first time. Did it, um, was it
0: stronger this time around? Or? It felt
1: a little stronger. Like I, I couldn't really feel much of anything. You know, they tell you can, it should feel like numb, but not no feeling. And I was having a hard time like holding my legs up cause I couldn't really feel them that
0: well. Right. But they tell you that you'll know it's time to push when you sort of feel like you have to poop right? Yes. Um, so, you could still feel the pressure, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other strange thing that happened was right before we were set to push, like, really, like, right before, like, they walked in, because they could obviously see on the monitors what's happening. And four women walked in. And I was like, I think I'm, I'm feeling like I'm ready to push. And they're like, No, you're ready. Like, we're gonna do this right now. I was like, Oh, okay.
0: Oh, good. And okay.
1: J- just like that. It was a very. It was a little nerve wracking and a little scary, but I knew I was in good hands. I, like I said, I had four nurses in front of me. Yeah. Um, right at that very moment, I got very, very nauseous. Mm. Um, I actually got physically ill, which was lovely.
0: You mean you threw up?
1: Yeah. I threw
0: up when I was pushing too. Yeah. Oh, God. It's common.
1: Didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, my blood pressure tanked. So they had to like turn me on my side and they gave me a little bit of medication in my IV. And I like broke out in a cold sweat and I had shakes and like this. It all happened Did you not have primers.
0: shakes with the first baby? Cause shakes are had, really common.
1: So I had like shakes even in this, um, birthing experience, but just like, uh, these were different. This was like, like, those were like chills, you know, the chill shakes, like kind of mm-hmm. feverish. Mm-hmm. This was like your blood pressure's tanking. You're not doing so hot. Shakes. Got it. Got <laughs> like, it. It was, a yeah. little, it was a little different. Okay. Um, and within a couple minutes of them giving me a little bit of medicine, I felt much better. Good, you know they put a they put cold washcloths all over my face, which was very nice.
0: Right, and this was right before you were ready to push. Is that when that's? Yeah, what's happening? so okay. it was like
1: you know, you're mentally, you're like, okay. I got to get in my physical mindset now. I have to mm-hmm. do a physical act. Mm-hmm. And and instead, my body was like, nope, we're going to make you feel like shit real quick.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. How was the baby's heart rate the whole time? Was he in any distress ever or was he good the whole labor process? He was,
1: he was mostly good. They were more worried about my blood pressure. So okay. I, at the end of my pregnancy, was having some blood pressure issues anyway. Okay, um, it, I was never preeclamptic. I never felt preeclamptic, but I was just, I just had very high blood pressure. So it was something that they were a little concerned about, but nothing that ever became like a true medical emergency, which was good. Gotcha. The only thing that did happen was once he came out the cord as I was pushing the cord became wrapped around his neck. Mm -hmm. So when he came out, he, it was a little scary. He was, he was limp
0: is yeah. this giant
1: baby but he was limp
0: <laughs> um, right but and, it was, you know, was just perp- like a wrapped around it wasn't like a knotted wrap around his neck was it which is the no, dangerous it was, kind it's common to have them it was
1: tight okay so like even the nurses said like if i had pushed anymore it would have probably not been good um so it was good that he got out when he did yeah um so they i wasn't able to hold him right away which was fine they took him obviously to make sure he was breathing um, that everything was good. And then they let me hold him for r- literally a minute. They cleaned him all up and they, my son and my husband went to the nursery to let n- the NICU people look at him and I see make sure that everything was okay. I see. So um, there
0: wasn't the NICU in the room beforehand because he, nothing seemed like it was going to be a problem. But then afterwards correct. when he was a little purple, probably from not yeah, having the court, they, just they had to go. To
1: make sure he was everything was a okay. So they had him for almost an hour
0: before you saw him again.
1: Yeah. So and yeah, you know, I was texting with my husband and he's saying they're just everything's fine. Like he was very reassuring. And right. He's like, they're just doing tests. They cleaned him up. You know,
0: yeah. Hey, Christy here. I was just a little curious to find out more details about giving birth to a baby with an umbilical cord around its neck. So I wanted to share with you some info I found on verywellfamily.com about the subject. A nuchal cord, when the umbilical cord is wrapped around the baby's neck, is a very common event, occurring in about one-third of all births. The cord becomes wrapped around the neck during pregnancy as the baby moves around. The umbilical cord is covered with a thick protective coating known as Wharton's jelly. This is like grizzle in texture and prevents the baby from compressing the arteries and veins that run through the cord. So the cord being wrapped does not usually pose a problem for the baby. At the time of birth, once the baby's head is out, the midwife or doctor will check around the baby's neck for the presence of the umbilical cord, and once the practitioner has determined that there is a cord, they will decide how best to proceed. Typically, the cord is wrapped loosely enough for the cord to be slipped over the baby's head. If the cord is wrapped multiple times, this may take a while. Typically, you will be asked not to push for a minute while this happens. Sometimes the cord is wrapped too tightly and the cord will be cut before the baby can be born. This is done by your midwife or doctor by placing two cord clamps and cutting between them. This necessitates the baby's birth fairly rapidly since it is no longer getting nutrients from the mother via the placenta. Occasionally, The baby will be born so rapidly that neither of these methods can be employed. A skilled practitioner will hold the baby's head very even and close to the mother's body as the baby's body is born through the cord. This almost looks like the baby flips out as it's born. The cord being around the neck usually requires no additional monitoring to the baby or mother. Obviously, if your doctor or midwife thinks there is some monitoring that they need to do, then they will. And your baby might go to the NICU, as it sounds like our guest today's baby did, just to make sure everything is good. But generally speaking, it sounds like this is a pretty common event, even more so than I realized. That's all. Back to the show.
1: They brought him back because I kept asking, you know, when am I going to get to feed him? Because I knew how, I know how important that is to do as quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they said, we're getting him. So it was, it was probably almost an hour before I was able to feed him.
0: Can we talk real quick about um, the third stage of labor, delivering the placenta? So you oh, you pushed him out, sure. and how how was the pushing? Did you did you like poop on the table? Everyone oh, does. Yeah. So did you I, watch I with a mirror? Did they provide that at your hospital? No. You no know, some I people do ask. that. I just was curious if you. I were, didn't
1: ask for my first, and I was like, for my second, I'm going to ask, and I just forgot, um, and I f- forgot slash at that point didn't want to because. Very early on in the pushing, I smelt it. (laughs) And I turned to my husband and I was like, is that, you know, and I like made the face and he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. I was like, noted, we're going to keep going.
0: (laughs) You know what, that means you're pushing correctly. That's what they say.
1: And it means my, I had a good dinner the night before. Oh yeah, It was was all coming out.
0: (laughs) Great. Love it. Uh, So pushing him out, how did, uh, sorry, I feel like we're kind of going all over the place, but I just want to cover this, which is the, the, how did, how did um, that go compared to the first? Did you tear it all with the second? So. Because he had a bigger head, right? No. He
1: did have a bigger head. And literally my thought was, oh my God, I'm going to have to like sit on one of those donut things to, to like sit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not excited for that. Um, and the nurse practitioner, bless her, was like, Oh, you did great. I think I have to put one in. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I
0: was
1: like, that's great.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, amazing. Good.
1: Oh, so it means my body was prepared to have a giant headed baby. <laughs> 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 um, and yeah, besides obviously him being carted away for a little bit, um, you know, he came back and they were, a hundred percent clear that everything was fine, his oxygen levels were great, he was responding well, like so everything was fine. Nice. Just we're taking the correct precautions to make right. sure right um so and, while they
0: were gone yeah. you delivered the placenta by yourself um what did you, did you did you look at your placenta for either baby or did you i
1: didn't which you know would have been a cool thing because it's like an organ that your body grows in nine months that's crazy
0: yeah i'm just uh, curious because like i really wanted to see mine um and then with the chaos i forgot to ask too until uh, they were yeah. stitching me up for a while and then i was like oh can i see the placenta and they were like oh it's already out yeah <laughs> we, we, we already took it out and I was like oh but you know not that big of a deal <laughs> no. but but they I was just did curious ask
1: me a thing of no they did ask me what I wanted to do with it which I don't remember being asked the first time and I was like oh I'm not like crushing it up into pills and eating yeah, it so you may, you may you may just you may discard the placenta <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. How was everything in the hospital after, like in the recovery room with this whole COVID thing, did that change a lot from the first baby or was it kind of the same? The
1: the recovery in the delivery room was the same, right? So they clean you up, they stitch you up, you know, you're kind of chilling there for a little bit. Um, And then we were carted down to the mother baby unit. Um, And we knew ahead of time that things were going to be a little different. Obviously, the ward itself was kind of on a mini lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were no visitors going in and out. What we were a little surprised about um, was how much movement my husband was allowed. So we were given special wristbands to show that we were specifically in the mother baby unit, okay. that we had a scan anytime we left. Um, I was in the, our room the whole time, I didn't leave. But my husband, you know, whether he went to go get water or coffee um, or food, you know, they I was surprised at how much movement he was allowed to have. You know, he he was scanned every time he had to come back in, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning like his temperature was taken. Mm -hmm. But. You know, I was even surprised that they let him leave at that point. I don't know if that has changed since then, if they are requiring not allowing people to even leave the mother baby unit. Um, But he was allowed to go to the Starbucks that's in the hospital and get us coffee. Nice. Um, The one night that we were there, we learned our lesson from the first time and we ordered takeout from a local restaurant (laughs) (laughs) instead of eating the hospital food. Yeah, And I was surprised that they let him leave to go get the food, Uh, like meet the takeout guy outside the hospital. The only thing they did do is they closed the cafeteria down. What? Which we knew ahead of time.
0: So you couldn't or you couldn't have ordered food at the hospital anyway?
1: So we ordered you were allowed to order food and they were like basically room service
0: couldn't sit in the cafeteria. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like
1: like, even my husband couldn't go to the cafeteria to get a banana or something. They would bring it it. up
0: to you. Got it.
1: So yeah, they're still serving you food. Just not, they didn't want you going down there to get it, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we packed a lot of snacks, (laughs) like a little snack bag, which Mm -hmm. was a really great thing to have.
0: Yeah. It's a smart idea.
1: Yeah. And you know, my husband and I were prepared to not have any visitors. So we're like, let's bring a book and we're going to relax. And all of these crazy things that of course never happened.
0: No. You, because have you probably a, want to sleep. or just, want to sleep.
1: <laughs> and also um, they closed the nursery in the mother baby unit, unless there was a medical need for your baby to leave your room. Your baby was in your room the whole time.
0: Was um, Is that not protocol anyway? I mean, I think most hospitals have bonding
1: um it it is anyway they they prefer you for to have the baby in the room but uh with our first like the second night we were there we sent her off to the nursery for a little bit and that was still allowed but it was not allowed this time
0: I see okay um,
1: because they closed the nursery right but because I had had a vaginal birth and there were no complications we were in and out of that hospital within 24 hours they they got us in and they got us out and they did a very good job at it
0: oh good Good. And it's probably better, like you said, just go home and quarantine with your little family.
1: Yes. And especially the second time around, there's really no need for you to be in a hospital for two nights. You kind of just want to go home anyway. Yeah. So it was really, it was really worked in our favor, we think. And, you know, obviously women who have had babies know that getting out of the hospital is no easy task because you have 800 people you have to see. Before you can, you are allowed to leave. Yeah. It was the most efficient process I've ever seen in my life. I would say between the hours of nine and 1030, the next morning, we saw everybody we had to see.
0: Oh, wow. Great. By
1: lunchtime, they discharged us and we were allowed to go home.
0: Oh, great. Um, a couple things I remember from being discharged is like they had to watch me pee a certain amount of times or I don't, I don't know. It was like, uh, I think maybe cause I had some complications with my kidneys, mm. but, um, did they have to like watch you pee or anything like that to make sure? So
1: the only thing I had to do is because I had the epidural, um, they put a catheter in you mm-hmm. when you go, when you leave the, um, the delivery room. Yeah. So, the first time I had to pee after that, they just had to help me yeah. take out the catheter and and help me go to the bathroom and make sure I didn't fall or anything like that.
0: Okay, got um, it. yeah.
1: And then I was able to fortunately have a bowel movement on my own uh, later that day. So oh, wow, I, like, to- that's fast. I told everybody, I was like, I pooped, I could go home.
0: <laughs> I remember, like, you know, I don't think that I went until I had left the hospital uh, poop <laughs> anyway oh, and I remember it being um well they call it the second birth you know it's oh, like yeah. it, it was awful but then again I had some like you know a lot of a lot of stitches you, so you had a lot of stuff um <laughs> but so how but was that really painful though I mean it has no. to be. F- no. I mean,
1: listen, I pooped while I was giving birth, so I knew I was capable of doing it.
0: <laughs> okay, there you go. Fair enough. And then um, normally they have to make sure the baby poops, right, before you leave? Yes. Did he so, have no problem with that?
1: He did. We were waiting and waiting. He didn't do it like that whole night. And then that morning he had, a, he had his first beautiful poop.
0: I so. oh, love it. He
1: also, um, <laughs> he also pooped a little bit coming out of me. So oh. they said that that counted.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good that's good so but he didn't go before there was no meconium in the amniotic fluid or anything okay got it okay yeah because then they Um, would call the nicu and like normally at least they did for us because my son had had pooped before
1: i I think it's a man thing i really think it's a
0: little boy thing (laughs) because this (laughs) this
1: guy has been a pooping machine since he has been home nice
0: nice did you Um, feel like you were prepared well you had already gone through it once but once you got home from the hospital did you feel like okay, I have everything I need to take care of myself and my vagina after going yes. through this. So
1: I Tell knew me what, mm-hmm. so I really liked using the witch hazel pads because they felt mm-hmm. they felt nice. Those are so, I made, so good. So great. So I made sure to ask for plenty of those to take home with me because mm-hmm. they are expensive in the real world. <laughs> They're called Tux or there's
0: a few different brands. But. Yeah,
1: well the Tux ones are the ones like most commonly available at yeah. you know pharmacies and yeah. they are expensive. So I asked for lots of take-home samples and they they obliged that's great Uh, and then the nurse because we had a boy this time and you know last time we had girl parts and this time we had boy parts and he had a circumcision and Mm -hmm. uh so she sent us home with plenty of vaseline and showed us how to how to use it great on the the circumcision so that was helpful that's been fine i girl parts are way easier in my (laughs) really okay i think so You know, recovery in itself, yesterday was the first time I, so going back to working out. So since that is my outlet of stress relief or Mm -hmm. my outlet of choice of stress relief, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been very nice to be home and quarantine and everybody's snuggling and we're having lots of together time. Um, The hardest part has been not being able to take out any additional stress from everything that's going on through working out since I'm really physically not able to. Um, so yesterday was the first day that I tried just doing some push-ups and some air squats and doing wow. a couple of like things with dumbbells and uh, literally 15 minutes. But I felt just 800 times better than I had oh, at good. any point over the last two weeks. Yeah. And it just goes to show like endorphins are an amazing natural drug yeah. and, um, they yeah. do, they do a wonder of good. So being able to move in a way that was familiar to me, mm-hmm. um,
0: That's good advice for people who are going through birth and then stuck at home. Yeah, it's like try to find something that really brings you joy. Definitely take
1: the walk. The fresh air and the vitamin D is good for absolutely everybody. You have to change your perspective, not only from the couch, (laughs) which is a really easy place to just sink into all day, um, but just change your mentality of okay, fresh air, let's go get it. Mm -hmm. Um, So then yesterday when I did a little bit of a We'll call it a workout. <laughs> um, it just—it felt—I it felt like me again for the first time since I had given birth. And some people would say that two and a half weeks might be too early to start moving, but I knew with what my capacity was and what my history is with with movement and working out, mm-hmm. what my limits would be. Um, and there yeah. were certain things that I tried doing yesterday that weren't great, like lunges.
0: Oh, my oh. uterus
1: is not ready for lunges. Oh, so that sounds. About- <laughs> Yeah. Super painful. So after about two of those, I was like, yeah, those are good. Know your limits. And, but, and try whether it's yoga or just taking that walk or doing something with a light dumbbell. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Lord knows the whole world is working out from home right now. So if there's any great time to be working out as a postpartum mom from home, it's right now (laughs) because everybody's doing it. There are so many resources.
0: Right. And,
1: um, even the gym that we go to is posting daily workouts, like on video, there's a, there's a zoom workout that they're hosting in a couple of minutes that my husband's going to try to do. So, oh um, yeah, that's good. You know, at the end of the day, going into it, everything with COVID, I try to have a positive outlook. And like I said, it was more about compartmentalizing the different aspects of the birthing process. Yeah. Whether it be going to the hospital or how the birthing process was going to go or um, what kind of restrictions that the hospital was putting into place that would change my mentality. Those right. were those were able to be put in a, in a box, in a place in my head. Postpartum for me, the mindset, because listen, postpartum depression is a real thing, whether it's your first kid or your fourth. I... I Think the first time around I probably just had the typical baby blues, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that this time around, considering the state of the world, it would be a lot easier to fall into that little black hole. Yeah. A little bit easier. That's true. Um, so I have made it my personal mission and it requires a lot of focus. But let's face it, I'm not doing a lot else right now, so I can try to focus mm-hmm. on being super duper positive and super duper just like harnessing whatever little energy I have besides sleep deprivation into being um, grateful and happy and positive, uh, which is not my usual MO. Yeah. <laughs> so ho- I'm, I'm almost hoping that this propels me in the future to, to be able to change my mindset a little bit. I can't fall into the little black hole because there's a lot of people that are doing that And they can't help themselves. So if I can try to help myself in trying to be as positive as possible, um, that's that's something that I know will be good for me and good for my family and good for my relationship with my husband and my toddler and my baby. And so if that's what I can do for me right now, then that's what I need to try to do.
0: Beautiful. Do you feel like you have an outlet, though? You know, because it's one thing to just say, like, I'm going to be positive. It's another thing to just manage the stress underneath, you know, sometimes people that are depressed, they kind of cover up sometimes. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that it's not totally possible to change your mindset. But when Nobody you just had a baby, did. and you have all these hormone hormonal yeah. things happening to you, as well as just the realities of like caring for a small helpless <laughs> thing. Um, do you feel like, you well, know, you have the the support system in place? on you know Uh, speed dial or whatever if you need it
1: yeah i think too it's also me understanding that i i am not predisposed to depression or anxiety Mm. so that's something i can be very fortunate about because it's i i I have the fortunate ability to say i could fall into the black little black hole but i probably won't if i do a b and c that's a mindset that not a lot of people can can harbor because they, right. they just, they physically or mentally cannot. Um, so even just being able to do that is, yeah. is a blessing.
0: Right. Um, but the lesson is that if you know to especially look out for it, because yes. we're, we're all a little blindsided by the baby blues or the depression, <laughs> you always are like, yeah, but it's not going to happen to me or whatever, yeah. even if you are expecting it. But it's, it's the, uh, the sort of mentally preparing and looking for it. And then confronting like, okay, this is reality and it's okay. I'm feeling this way, but I'm going to try to change my mindset and look at it in a different way or reach out and ask for help or whatever, you know? Yeah. So
1: um, I'm lucky and my husband's been home um, and he is home for like another 10 days. Having his help, particularly with our toddler has been invaluable. (laughs) Mm. Um, So that is one thing that has certainly helped me stay positive because mm-hmm. i'm not doing it alone mm-hmm. um when he does go back to work i'm going to essentially have to break quarantine in whatever capacity and ask for help whether it's from friends or family that are willing to give it mm-hmm. so and but by then we will have all been quarantined for well over a month yeah. <laughs> so i'm hoping that's enough time to yeah. be safe um yeah. but also you kind of have to take the risk because the risk is either i become extremely overwhelmed and feel a little helpless. Or I ask for help yeah. um, from people who I know are ready and willing to give it, even though that comes with its own risk. So it's, you know, I have to play the option game. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, as we have seen in this peculiar time, there are a lot of people uh, giving their services, whether it's uh, therapy or a workout video or a recipe video or um there's there's people are giving their time and energy to help others um uh, to pull them out of whatever kind of covid funk that you're feeling mm-hmm. so there's certainly an abundance of uh aid if i felt like i needed to to do that there's a few therapists who have offered up their services to new postpartum moms for like a zoom call or whatever which is which right. would be amazing yeah so I, those resources are even more readily available than they would have been had this not been, you know, an interesting time to be giving birth.
0: Right. Oh, that's great advice. Awesome. Yeah. So
1: it's there. You just you have to look for it.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's
1: it's definitely there, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook. Right. Um, social media is a beautiful monster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But in this time it's important to try to connect with people and you know that does mean using social media. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ah, amazing. Thank you so much for spending this time talking to me. And my heart goes out to anyone who's having to give birth during this time. It's just a little more scary, but it's nice to hear the real experience about, you know, that you you can you can do it and you can be okay. It's all
1: gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Because guess what? We didn't conceive these children, uh, expecting this to be the outcome after 40 weeks. So, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> the baby is coming. No one's choosing this as their experience. So if we can all kind of band together and understand that our babies are going to be with us after this is over and is our job to keep them safe and warm and happy, then we're, we're going to get through it and trust the people whether it is a nurse practitioner or a doula or a midwife, whether you're giving birth in a hospital or at home or a birthing center, um, trust the people that are there to do their job Mm. because that's what their passion is. And that's what they're um, they're there to do is to help you have a beautiful, healthy baby. So just trust, have a lot of trust. I love it. Thank you so
0: much. Of course. Thank you again to my beautiful, strong guest today who has such a great perspective on this whole situation. I admire her attitude so very much. If you like this show and you would like to support us, please give us a good rating. Go do it now and subscribe. You do not want to miss an episode, I promise you. There are so many good birth stories lined up in this season. It gives me chills. Oh, and if you know someone who might benefit from hearing this podcast. Please share it with your friends and family. Hey, everyone knows a mother. Most of you know a mother-to-be. Let's get the word out and start talking about the real experience of birth. Follow us on Instagram at birthshow, at birthshow. And this is some fun news. Our website is now live, www.birthshow.com, birthshow.com. I have personally spent many hours creating this website specifically to be a helpful resource to all of you. Go check it out. I have very detailed lists of resources and supplies that I recommend. If you have morning sickness, I have been there. I got you. I can help you get through it. Go to the website. There is a list of must-have postpartum supplies that will help you get through those first few days after giving birth. I have even posted some really helpful videos on there that help me understand and learn how to breastfeed. So just go check out the website. It's a free resource, birthshow.com. You're strong. You're amazing. You've got this. I love you. We'll see you next time. This is a SYNC Studios production.